Well, good morning on this uh, Sunday of our annual congregational meeting, and so good to be with you all. Um, you know, I typically do a State of the Church message on the Sunday of our annual congregational meeting, and this Sunday is no exception, but I, I believe the church in America is in a, a very unique moment of both crisis and of opportunity. You know, in 2020, for the first time in American history, at least since they started keeping these statistics, worship attendance in the U.S. dropped below 50% of the population. And that means on any given Sunday, a smaller percentage of the U.S. population is gathering together to worship God than at any other time in American history. At that same time, we've seen a rapid rise in people who identify themselves as having no religious preference at all. In 2007, people with no religious preference comprised 16% of the U.S. population. But by last year, that percentage had ballooned from 16% to 29% of the U.S. population. 20 years ago, the, the median worship attendance of the average church in America was 137 people on any given Sunday morning. But by 2020, that number had dropped to 65 people, a 53% decline over 20 years. We've also seen an explosion of church scandals. Now, I've been a pastor for 31 years now. In fact, there are some people here today that were at the church I was at 31 years ago. Um, and when I, when I first started in ministry, um, I would hear about a church scandal maybe once or twice a year. These days, I hear about a new one every single week. Um, more than 2.5 million people listen to the podcast about the rise and fall of one of America's largest churches because of the pastor's abuse of power. Last week, the U.S. Department of Justice opened an investigation into the largest Protestant denomination in America over its mishandling of sexual abuse claims within its churches. Every week, I read about lawsuits between pastors and their churches, stories of church leaders bullying their members or members bullying their leaders, sexual assaults that are brushed under the rug, the corruption of the use of church finances. And I'm sure the long-term effect of these consistent scandals has contributed to the decline in church attendance and the rise in this group of those with no religious affiliation at all. The church in America is in a unique moment. And Glenkirk has not been immune to some of these shifts in attendance. What do we do to make sense of where we are in this unique moment? Should we be depressed or outraged or panicked? Often our first impulse is to look for someone to blame and so someone to point the finger to so we can at least assure ourselves that it's not our fault. So churches sometimes blame their pastors and pastors blame their elders and pastors and elders blame their members and on and on the merry-go-round goes. Or we blame our government. Or we blame the media. Or blame Satan. But I don't think blame is the right response to this moment we find ourselves in. You know, I've been thinking and praying about what to say today in this State of the Church message for three months now. And during a three-day silent retreat I took uh, last month, this message really started coming together. 
And I want you to know that I am not discouraged. In fact, I am filled with hope about what lies ahead. At that silent retreat, I sensed the Spirit of God leading me to, to Jesus' words from the 15th chapter of John as a framework for understanding this moment we find ourselves in and what God is calling us to do. So I want to invite you, if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning out of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. These are the words of Jesus for us today. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. You can be seated. Back in March during our Epiphany series, um, we looked in depth at this I am statement of Jesus. So I'm not going to repeat what I said back then. I'm sure you all remember exactly what I said back then. <laughs> but just to set the context a little bit, um, in the Old Testament, the grapevine was a common symbol for the nation of Israel, the people of God back then. Um, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and many of the Psalms picture Israel as a grapevine. When you entered the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, the first thing you would see in the entryway was an enormous grapevine made out of gold representing Israel with all the various branches representing the tribes and the clans of Israel. You see, we typically read this passage and we apply it to ourselves as individual Christians. And that's certainly true, that we as individuals are branches in the vine. But what Jesus says about branches here also applies to churches, just as it applied to the various clans and tribes of Israel. What does this passage have to say to us at Glenkirk? about this moment we find ourselves in. Well, in verse 2, we learned that there are two reasons why a gardener might cut a branch on a grapevine. A gardener will cut off branches that bear no fruit. A fruitless branch is a branch that's produced in the past, but for whatever reason it's become diseased or sterile or whatever, it has stopped bearing fruit. 
And the gardener cuts off fruitless branches in order to make room for fruitful branches that will produce grapes in the grapevine. But the gardener will also cut fruitful branches. The gardener prunes every branch that does bear fruit. Now, in gardening, pruning is cutting a branch back, trimming it back so it's pared down. And the Greek word that Jesus uses in verse 2, when it's applied to plants, it means to prune. But in other contexts, it means to cleanse, causing something that's become dirty to become clean again. Pruning is a kind of cleansing. And I believe we're in a season of pruning right now. I believe the church in America is in a season of pruning. And I believe Glenkirk has been in a season of pruning. Throughout this nation, God is cutting off unfruitful branches and pruning fruitful branches. You know, for all of its flaws and failures, the church in the U.S. has made a huge impact on the world through the years. The church in this country has produced numerous Bible scholars and teachers and biblical resources that have enriched Christians around the world. Most modern Bible translations have come out of the United States. The modern missionary movement started in the U.S. and it's led to missions work all over the world today. Relief and development to the poorest and most marginalized of every society have often come out of the U.S. And again, not that these things have been done perfectly or without mistakes, but God has worked through the church in this nation to produce spiritual fruit all over the world. But now we are in a season of pruning. Glenkirk has been fruitful through the years. I have loved sitting with some of our retired pastors over the years, like Pastor Walter and Pastor Fulton Lytle, and listening to them tell stories about how God has used Glenkirk in the past. In fact, you may not know that I sat down with Pastor Fulton Lytle for his advice about whether to even apply for this position as senior pastor at Glenkirk before I applied. God has done amazing things through this ministry. And it's because of that that we are in a season of pruning. Because every branch that does bear fruit, the gardener prunes. Now, pruning is counterintuitive. It makes sense when a gardener cuts off a fruitless branch. But it's counterintuitive when a gardener prunes a fruitful branch. After all, these are the branches that are producing. These are the branches that are doing what they were designed to do. Why would you cut off a branch that's already doing what it was supposed to be doing? For a fruitful branch, pruning can be painful, disorienting, confusing. But pruning is evidence that the gardener has high hopes for that branch in the future. And so he prunes it. In these verses, Jesus reveals some of our responsibilities, what he calls us to do when we're in a season of pruning. And I won't cover all of them, but let me just mention a couple of them. Our first responsibility in a season of pruning is to draw closer to Jesus. 
Verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me. Some translations say, abide in me. The Greek word means to make ourselves at home someplace. Remaining in Jesus means being so close to Jesus that we are at home with him and he is at home within us. Pruning is an opportunity for us to draw closer to Jesus than we have ever been before. Churches that die are branches that have distanced themselves from Jesus. Instead of drawing closer to Jesus, they keep Jesus at a comfortable arm's length, talking about Jesus but not following Jesus. And a branch that distances itself from the vine is a branch that cuts itself off from the very source of its life. And there are congregations that do this. Churches that get distracted by their programs or their theology, their politics or their ministries or their committees, their reputations or their resources. Distancing ourselves from Jesus is a surefire way for a church to become a fruitless branch. We should always be drawing closer to Jesus, but it's never as important as it is. It's never more important than when we're in a season of pruning to draw near to Jesus. A second responsibility is to humble ourselves. The second half of verse 4 says, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Then in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's, it's as if Jesus is saying, don't forget who you are in this vineyard, Glenkirk, and every other church. You're a branch, and I'm the vine, not vice versa. A church cannot be fruitful and flourish by itself. And, and just in case we missed it the first time, at the end of verse 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Pruning is an invitation to humility humbling ourselves, to remind ourselves that as a congregation, we are just a branch in the vineyard. We are not the gardener, and we are not the vine. For me as a pastor, to remind myself that I'm just part of a branch in the vineyard. I am not the gardener, and I am not the vine. For our elders and our staff and our deacons to remind themselves that they are just a part of the branch, that they are not the gardener, and they are not the vine. See, over time, a prideful branch becomes an unfruitful branch. And there's no pride quite as subtle as spiritual pride. When we look down on other Christians for how they do things, when we think that we have it all together, when we, when we act like we have all the answers and we never take the posture of a learner, when we rest on the laurels of our own achievements, and we don't listen. Jesus invites us to humble ourselves during a season of pruning. A third responsibility from these words is during pruning to value Scripture. To value Scripture. 
In verse 7, Jesus calls us to remain in him by allowing his words to remain in us. His words, his teachings, his commands, his parables, his sermons, to be at home, to abide, to remain in us. And we could extend verse 7 to apply to all of Scripture, since ultimately the whole Bible comes to us from Jesus. During seasons of pruning, Jesus invites us to let his words abide in us, to value Scripture. You know, in today's consumer market-saturated society, you can find any church you want that will tell you anything you want. There are biker churches, youth churches, retirement churches, drive through churches, cowboy churches. Whatever your politics are, you can find a church that will agree with you and tell you exactly what you enjoy hearing. Whatever your way of life, you can find a church that will tell you that Jesus is just fine with your way of life. But if we really value Scripture, if we really want Jesus' words to be at home within us, then that means sometimes we need to hear things that we don't want to hear, that make us uncomfortable. Words that maybe challenge us, that call into question how we treat people. Words that question how we're spending our time or our money or words that, that question how we have set our priorities. Yes, Scripture comforts us and it assures us with God's love and strengthens us when we're weak, but it's also a double-edged sword. The other side of it is it confronts us and it challenges us. No part of, valuing, a part of valuing Scripture is a church's teaching ministry from the front. And I can assure you that everyone who teaches at Glenkirk is fully committed to valuing the authority of Scripture. We will put in the hard work to study the Word, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, and to accurately teach the whole of Scripture as best as we can but our teaching ministry is only half of the equation. Because for Jesus' words to be at home in us, we have to receive that teaching from a posture of openness and prayerfulness, inviting the Spirit to cause the words of Jesus to find a home within us. Branches on the vine that only tell people what they want to hear will become fruitless branches over time. And the gardener cuts off fruitless branches. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Another responsibility is to seek God in prayer. We see this also in the second half of verse 7. Ask God whatever we want, and it will be done. And of course, Jesus later clarifies that this promise is not a blank check it's conditional on God's will. That It's only as we are remaining in Jesus and Jesus' words are remaining in us that we will know the will of God to know what to ask God for. And, and the truth is, is that a cricket? I hope that doesn't distract you. <laughs> and the truth is, is that prayer is not always our first reaction to being pruned as a church. 
Our first reaction is often action, to do something, to do anything to stop the pruning. And so we become hyperactive. We turn to this strategy or that church growth workshop, this book on revitalization or that leadership conference that offers the key to stop the pruning. But Jesus invites us here to slow down. To slow down enough for prayer. Not just asking God to do things, which is a part of prayer. But there's a whole lot more to prayer than asking God. Slowing down enough to live in constant loving attentiveness to the presence of God. And prayerfully discerning what God is saying and leading and doing during this season of pruning. Over time, prayerless branches become unfruitful. Instead of fighting against pruning, we cooperate with it when we slow down enough to seek God in prayer. Finally, we're invited to lovingly obey Jesus. Lovingly obey Jesus. Verses 9 and 10. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Remaining in his love means lovingly obeying what Jesus commanded. Sometimes we focus so much on what Jesus did, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his promise to come again, that we neglect what Jesus taught. But following Jesus isn't just about believing in what he did, it's also about obeying what he taught. He defined making disciples as teaching people to obey what he taught. And Jesus taught a lot of things. Things that are counterculture to the values of our society today. He taught us to seek God's kingdom first in our lives, above all other kingdoms and all other priorities. He, he taught us to love our enemies instead of hating them. He taught us to, to welcome people instead of excluding them. He taught us to live sacrificially instead of selfishly, to seek reconciliation when we've been wronged instead of waiting for the other person to come and reconcile to us. And I could go on and on. Pruning is an invitation to renew our commitment to lovingly obey Jesus. So what does God achieve during a season of pruning? Even greater fruitfulness. Even greater fruitfulness. Again, verse 2, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful even more. I think of Pastor Walter's book, even more. Even more Christ-like, even more growth, even more conversions, even more baptisms, even more lives being transformed, even more spiritual formation, even more joy, even more kindness and love and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, even more holiness, even more humility, even more of all of the good stuff, even more fruit. God is also glorified in pruning. Verse 8 says that this, this pruning is to my Father's glory. It's to my Father's glory, Jesus says. Pruning is not for our glory or Glenn Kirk's glory or the church in America's glory. I, I'm convinced God doesn't really care about those things. He's concerned with his glory. And pruning is what causes us to remember that it is not about us, but about him. 
Finally, pruning leads to fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Pruning is painful, but its ultimate aim is not pain, it's joy. The losses we experience in a season of pruning prepares us. It makes space for Jesus' joy to be fully present within us. That sounds pretty good to me. So I hope you can understand why I'm so hopeful during this season. Because we are not a fruitless branch that has been cut off. We are a fruitful branch that has been in a season of pruning. And although pruning isn't pleasant, it's preparation for a season of harvest. But we must decide to participate in that pruning by drawing closer to Jesus rather than keeping him at arm's length, by humbling ourselves and valuing Scripture, by seeking God in prayer, and lovingly obeying what Jesus taught. Because branches that are cut off are branches that keep Jesus at a distance. Branches that become filled with spiritual pride. Branches that ignore Scripture. That become prayerless and that neglect the commands of Jesus. I've been your pastor for 45 months now. We've been through a lot together. And I think I've gotten to know, we've gotten to know each other well enough to know that we want to draw nearer to Jesus together. That we want to humble ourselves. That we want to value Scripture even more. That we want to seek God in prayer together even more. That we want to obey Jesus. We're not perfect at it. We're not even always good at it. But I think I know you well enough to know that's what you want. And I hope you've gotten to know me well enough to know that that's what I want. I know our, our other pastors and our staff, our elders and deacons well enough to know that that's what they want. I know our slate of nominees for elder, deacon, and nominating committee next year to know that that's what they want. So let's walk through this season of pruning together, filled with hope, knowing that God is preparing us for a season of harvest. Because I can see some exciting fruit just starting to form on this branch that we call Glenkirk. And if we are patient and if we are faithful, that fruit will grow and lead us into a beautiful season of harvest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the words of Jesus, words that bring comfort and challenge, words that assure us and words that call us to change. Father, thank you for Glenn Kirk and for these last three, almost four years that I've been here and a part of this community. Lord, I believe that you're stirring and getting ready to do some exciting things. Father, may we be a humble church that abides and remains in Jesus a church that obeys and prays. A church that values your word. May you be glorified and your reputation made great 
God, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.